If you've been at our church for any amount of time, then you know our next speaker. But I have to tell you, often we have to go all around the world to find these communicators that God is using to make a difference. But this weekend, we get to draw from our own backyard. Though he speaks on some of the largest platforms around the world, he's right here in Detroit. He's my friend. He's really a part of the Northridge family. I've said it before, I'll say it again, Harvey Carey. Hallelujah. Can we give Jesus a hand of praise? He's the one who really deserves it. Come on, can we give Jesus a hand of praise? He's so worthy, so worthy. So thankful for the amazing friendship and relationship that Brad and I share. And uh, every time he calls and invites me to come back and share with the Northridge family, it is always a gift and a pleasure. I want to publicly just say thank you to the Northridge Church. Uh, several weeks ago, we had our church's um, revival, and many of our volunteers, uh, parking folk and guest services, uh, they always are working during our church services. And I said, if it's possible that someone could, some of you guys could come out and kind of allow them to sit in the revival and be ministered to, it would mean the world. And uh, again, in Northridge fashion, you guys responded in an amazing way uh, by sending uh, many of your volunteers to come and allow our volunteers a chance to sit and to just be ministered to. So just thank you for the amazing church that you are. And I get to be here on another great weekend as over 250 people are getting baptized today. Isn't that awesome? Amen. So I encourage those of you that are able to, again, stick out after and be a part of the picnic and baptism uh, to do that. I believe the Word of God today, it's always uh, important. The Word of God is always a blessing to us. But I really believe that the, the message today might really uh, change the trajectory of some lives uh, that are here. So let's, let's pray again as we approach the Word of God. God, we love you. We thank you for the worship that has been lifted to your name. We're so thankful for over 250 people that are uh, publicly declaring their love and relationship with you today and for all their families and loved ones that are here. We're so thankful. God, we pray that your word would do what it always does. Would it be a lamp on our pathway? Would it be a light that would keep us from stumbling in the dark? Many of us, God, need your word to give us wisdom that we would know what to do. And so we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would be our teacher. We pray that the word of God would not just be that that we would hear, but that we would not just be hearers only, but doers. And we'll be so very careful to give your name the glory and the honor. You're the one that deserves it. And it's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. I'm getting older. And, um, and with that comes uh, the realization that some things that I used to be able to do, I don't do as well. Uh, and one of those things is being able to see. Um, uh, and I don't know if any of y'all have ever been in denial about your vision. Um, uh, but you really don't know how bad your vision is until you actually get your first pair of glasses. And then you realize, oh my gosh, I have been seeing the world in a way that I thought was normal, uh, but I did not realize that there was that much detail that I was missing, <laughs> right? Um, and so uh, I'm nearsighted, which means I can read up close very well, but I just can't see things far away. And so I had to get these glasses, and, and they tend to change uh, over the years, and I now have um, uh, different prescriptions than I did at first, and they get a little bit thicker and a little bit thicker uh, each year. Um, but I'm so grateful that I'm able to get these lenses that correct my vision and enable me to see things a different way. 
And I believe that many of us could take that principle and apply it spiritually. That if we could learn how to take spiritual lenses and look at our life, look at our world, look at the challenges that we face through different lenses, maybe the things that we see, maybe the ways that we see them would be altered in a way that would change our lives forever. And so when Brad reaches out and says, hey, Harvey, what has God been speaking to you about? What are some things that have kind of been resting in your soul these past few months that you could share with the Northridge Church? Uh, I've learned something that has really kind of helped me see life through different lenses. And I want to share with you all from the subject today an unforgettable perspective, an unforgettable perspective, or if I could put kind of a subtext to it, the power of a faith-filled perspective, the power of having a faith-filled perspective. And I can't think of any scripture that better illuminates how we can look at the same thing and see it in a different way than is found in the Old Testament in the book of Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13, beginning at verse 27. For those of you that are taking notes, I would encourage you to maybe write it down so you can look at it again later. But Numbers chapter 13, beginning at verse 27, it reads... They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites lived in the Negev, and the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites, they live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw, they are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak, who come from the Nephilim. And we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. Look what it says in that last part of that last verse. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. Have you ever wondered how people can look at the same thing and see it differently based on their perspective? Here we find uh, the people of God, the Israelites, entering into the promised land. Now, many of you who may know, uh, you may know that this land of promise had been promised many, many years ago when God told the chosen people, hey, listen, I'm going to give you a land that will one day flow with milk and honey. It will uh, have houses that you did not build. There will be wells that you did not dig. Indeed, you will enter into a land that you didn't really have anything to do with, and I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to ensure that my people people will have this promised land. But for every promise, there is a process. For every promise of God, for everything that God promises us, there are always steps that we have to take to enter into that promise. And I believe that here, uh, Moses, being the wise man that he was, says, you know what? God has promised us this land, but we need to scout it out. We need to find out what the challenges are before we go in and possess it. So he sent out 12 spies, and those spies went and kind of did their homework and found out what were the obstacles, kind of what is the lay of the 
land? Who are the people that live there? What are the challenges that we might face? And so they're now coming back in this text, and we find them giving the report back to Moses of the things that they had discovered. And so we see in verse uh, 27, it says, first of all, we went into the land which you sent us, and guess what? It does flow with milk and honey. Check. So the things that God promised us that we would see, we saw it. It's a land, and it's a land that has unbelievable abundance. It's a very fertile land. Indeed, they said, here is the fruit that we got. So they were able to kind of swipe some fruit while they were there and bring it back to Moses and present it, saying, hey, you know what? Uh, not only is it a land of abundance as far as resources, but here's a sample of the fruit that is there. So, so they're pretty excited about the things that they had seen as it related to the fertility of the land. But then they say in verse 28, they use this word called but. You got to be careful of all the buts in the Bible. Well, some of y'all need to be careful about that too, but that's another sermon. <laughs> and when people can't laugh in church, what does that mean? He shouldn't be saying things that are funny. Get over yourself. All right. But the people who live there, they said, they are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. So they said, yes, we saw a land that flows with milk and honey. We, we found the fruit of the land, but guess what? We also saw people that were there, and they are very powerful. And the cities that are there, they're fortified. It's hard to enter into, and the cities themselves are extremely large. Then they went and kind of gave a detail of the people that were settled in the different areas in verse 29. So we find that they said, we did go into what you told us to go investigate, and we did see some good things, but guess what? We saw some challenging things as well. And I believe that's for all of us, right? We can look at life from many different angles. God gives human beings the gift of choice. Indeed, it's the gift that he's given to humanity that we have the ability to freely choose. And I love the fact that God does not make us robots that uh, decide to worship, decide to accept him as Lord and follow him because we've been programmed to. But no, he said, I don't want that. I want human beings to have the ability to choose. So as they make choices for me, it's something out of their own volition and not something that I've mandated. And so with this free choice, you all, comes an ability to see things one way or to see them another way. But I will say this, the decisions that we make and the choices that we make can determine the trajectory of our lives. Indeed, for most of us that are sitting here, the choices that we've made, the decisions that we've made, good or bad, have decided the people that we've become, the lives that we currently live. Um, I'm in the process of trying to lose a little weight. I've gained a little bit over time. And the choices that I make to take food and put it to my mouth has caused this that is a little extra pounds here. Now, I tried one day in a prayer to bind the calories As I was taking the piece of cake and putting it to my mouth, I said, God, in Jesus' name, I bind and come against these calories that are coming into my mouth. It didn't matter because the decision that I made to eat and to continue eating to not work out yielded me gaining a few pounds. Indeed, the choices that you and I make every day, they affect the lives that we live. 
it started with the first people that were on the planet, Adam and Eve. And God had given a commandment to Adam that of the tree, uh, all the trees in the garden here, you're able to eat of any of these trees that you, that you choose. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, do not eat of that tree. Because the day that you eat of that tree, you will surely die. Now, there was a serpent that was wrapped around a tree and speaking to them. And, and by the way, whenever a snake starts talking to you, you need to kind of book up and get out, get out the way. <laughs> now, you know, I, I prayed about this at the earlier service. I got a release from God, so I think I've been released to say it here. So every now and then I got to throw in my I'm black kind of thing. And so uh, here's, a, here's a question that I have, and maybe you all can help me out with this. Uh, I'm not a big horror movie guy, but I do watch some horror movies, and I am always amazed at my Anglo brothers and sisters in horror movies when, when the house says get out and you go investigate where... <laughs> when the house says get out, oh my gosh, is that coming from the attic, honey? Let's... Let's walk up to the attic and find out where the voice is coming from. If a black person was in that house and the house said, get out, pew, we are gone out that house. So let me help y'all white people. Whenever your house starts talking to you and it ain't your alarm system or Alexa, get out. Harvey, what does that have to do with the message? The snake was wrapped around the tree and started talking. Adam uh, listened to the snake who said, the, the serpent, which was really Satan, said, did God say that you can't eat of this tree? God didn't really say that, and surely if he said it, he's trying to hold something from you. Knowing that humanity, knowing that mankind had the ability to choose, he tried to get, and he achieved at it, to get mankind to disobey or to choose to not do what God said. That one decision of Adam, that one decision to disobey God's commandment plummeted humanity into the sinful chaos that we're in today. Indeed, one decision, one perspective, should I believe God's word, should I believe the word of something else, that one decision changed the course of human history. And could it be that many of us that are here today, the decisions that we are facing, whether we would hear God's voice or whether we would hear another voice, our ability to choose the right faith-filled perspective, the right faith-filled way of looking at it or responding could change our lives forever. The scripture says that these people saw the same thing. They all went to the same promised land, but one group said, hey, we see some good stuff, but guess what? We see a whole lot of challenges, but look at verse 30. I love this. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land. Why? For we can certainly do it. So the other spies said, you know what? The people are, are really great. The cities are fortified. The cities are large. They've got all these different ethnic groups encamped in these different places. It's too hard for us. But Caleb says, you know what? We should go up and take possession of it. Why? We certainly can do it. Where did this confidence come from? Where did Caleb's uh, kind of ability to believe that they were able to do this come from? Well, it came from the fact that both Joshua and Caleb remembered the promise of God. 
When God makes a promise, unlike our promises that we might break, you know, not keep, when God makes a promise, listen, God will always do what he promised that he will do. You can depend, listen, you can base your life on the promises of God. When God says, I will do something, he will do it. The Bible says the heavens and the earth will pass away, but the word of God will remain forever. So when you and I place our confidence, listen, place our trust, place our lives on something greater than the vacillating world around us, when we place our lives and place our trust on the word of God that is forever settled in the heavens and the earth, we can guarantee that God will always do what he promises. And I believe that Caleb, in the midst of what he saw, in the midst of the challenges that he was facing, said, you know what, even with all of the things that I saw, even with the report that you guys are speaking about, which it's true, I believe that we should go up at once and possess it because we're able to do it. I believe that Caleb's response is a faith-filled perspective of a very difficult situation. Many of us are in a world today that is unbelievably challenging. I've had to almost decrease the intake of the amount of media that I watch and the news that I take in because almost every day I'm seeing something that is troubling my heart things that are happening across the waters, things that are happening here domestically, the challenges that we face, sometimes it can almost seem unsurmountable. But not only that, you all, some of us can look at our own families and see challenges in our families. Maybe there's a strain in your relationship with your spouse. Maybe your children are wayward. Maybe your children are not kind of doing the things that you believe that they should. Maybe there's a strained relationship with a sibling. Many of us, it's not just the world around us, but it's our own immediate family that many of us are finding challenges and finding difficulties. But not only just our families, not just the world around us, but sometimes personally, right? Some of us have gotten bad news about a health report. that The enemy has come and allowed catastrophe to hit your life financially, and you're wondering, how can I make it financially? How can I deal with this bad report from the doctor? How can I deal with the image that I feel about myself? And so some of us don't have to look into the world or look into the family, but we can just look into ourselves and see so many negative things, so many challenges. And the question is, Pastor, how in the world can I be optimistic? How can I be faith-filled? How can I believe that things are going to work out when I'm looking at situations that seem impossible? Do you know that God does not always change situations? I've said this so many times. He does not always change the situations, but he changes those who follow him in the situations so that the situations don't have to change, but he changes us in them. When God allows you and I to have his promise, that means that no matter what the circumstance looks like, no matter how challenging the opposition seems, no matter how dark the world is around us, we can have a hope, we can have a joy, we can have a peace that the world cannot understand because our hope is not built on what we see, it's based on what he said. Oh, I feel like preaching today. 
when you and I don't make the Bible some kind of a, oh, well, you know, I read the Bible every now and then, and I look at the scriptures when it's convenient, and I kind of, you know, pick out some things and cherry pick this and that, and, uh, you know, the Bible has its place. No, when the Word of God is more than just a casual side conversation, but when the Word of God becomes the anchor we sang about it earlier in the song, becomes the anchor in the waves. When the Word of God becomes the thing that keeps our mind focused, when everything around us is chaotic, everything in the world can be going crazy, but you can be okay because your hope is not built on the world, it's built on the Word of God. Amen. The Word of God is so important. I believe Caleb remembered the promise of God. In Exodus, God would say over and over again, I'm giving you a land. I'm giving you a land. I have given you the land. Listen, he gave it to them before they got it. Faith calls things that are not like they already were. Anybody can shout when you see it, but it takes people of faith to shout before they see it like they saw it. Let me say that again. Anybody can praise or give glory or celebrate when you see something. That doesn't require faith. But faith is able. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. Listen, the seen thing is not the evidence. Faith is the evidence of what you have not seen. Which means, if you can believe God, you can praise God in any circumstance like you already got it even before you see it. Is there anybody here that believes God? I need about three people who are willing to give God praise right now for what you know he's going to do to give him praise. Now, if you don't believe him, don't do nothing. But if you really believe, give him praise in advance. Woo! Oh, glory to God, there's faith in the building. There's faith in the building. Hallelujah. Give somebody a high five and tell them I believe God. Have a seat if you can. Caleb, Caleb. Caleb saw the same opposition as the other spies, but he's had a very different response. He said, you know what? Let's go up and do it. Let's possess it right now. Why? Because we are well able to do it. Talk about a faith-filled perspective. But look at what verse 31 says. But, but... The men who had gone up with him saw the same thing. They said, look, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report. I think this is important to note because some of us are, are, are realists. Well, Harvey, you know, I appreciate all your energy. It's always good to see you getting excited the way you do, but I'm a realist, okay? <laughs> And I understand, you know, you're very energetic and very optimistic. That's very nice. We enjoy that. But let me tell you something. 
Um, I, I'm, I'm a re- I've gotten to where I've gotten to in life by evaluating and looking at circumstances from a realistic perspective. And if things are not a certain way, I'm not going to say that they are just to have some kind of faith-filled perspective. I need to be honest about what I see. I'm not saying that we're not honest about what we see. I'm saying that what we see cannot trump God who is over what we see. I'm saying that they were right. The Israelites were always outnumbered. The Israelites never had the the army and the military prowess of these other nations that they were coming up against. And God planned it that way. So that when the Israelites who were less prepared would face these armies that were more prepared and beat their behind, everybody knew it must be somebody working with them because they didn't have... I'm not saying that the situations and the circumstances are not real. And I dare not minimize the real pain that's in the room. Because somebody's saying, you know what? You don't know my pain, Pastor Kerry. You don't know what I'm struggling with. You don't know the issue of cancer that I just got diagnosed with. Don't you dare minimize that talking about having a faith their perspective. You don't know the issues that I'm dealing with in my job. You don't know the fact that I've got to deal on the 4th of July with my crazy siblings. I've got to go to the barbecue and yet again be reminded, oh, you're still driving that same car, huh? You're still coming alone. You haven't found a spouse yet. You're still not married. I've got to deal with those evil sisters and brothers. And how dare you tell me that I need to have a faith-filled perspective when the issues and the circumstances and the situations are so dire. They were very real challenges in the text. But one group decided to believe God and one decided not. And you have the choice to say, you know what, the situations that I'm facing, others are facing them. And how will I decide to see them? Will I see them like Caleb and Joshua? Will I see them like the other 10 spies who said that they were unable to do it? Look what they said, because I'm going to tell you something. Unbelief, the Bible says uh, that where there's fear, there's torment. Where there's fear, there's torment. And and you all, for many of us, we don't understand that, that many of us are in situations where the fear that we have it grows. First John 4, 18 says, where there's fear, there's torment. And the fear will start in one dimension, and all of a sudden, it'll exaggerate situations, and it'll get bigger and bigger and bigger. I want you to see what they said. It says, um, the land, that, look at verse 32, the second part of that. The land we explore, guess what it does? It devours all the people that are living in it. That's not true. The land was not eating people alive. Not only uh, are the people really stronger, but the land that we explore, it devours people that are living in it. Have you ever end up um, having a pain and the enemy tells you, oh, you know you're about to die, right? Because everybody in your family at this age died. Everybody, you're you're, you're reaching that age and everybody in your family has cancer. So guess what? That pain that you've got, it's cancer. Yep, sure is. Cancer is here. All of a sudden, you're like, where did that thought come from? But the enemy will make certain things. Listen, you'll go to work, and all of a sudden, your boss calls you in. I'm about to be fired. I'm about to be terminated, right? 
The enemy will always make the situation larger than it is. And you and I have got to recognize his strategy. Listen, fear, false evidence appearing real. And for many people, we are having things that are coming at us and we're calling them real, believing that they're real, and it's really the enemy making something exaggerated. I used to think, you all, and it's the truth, I used to think I could never preach in front of white people. I'm so serious. I'm serious. Black people, uh, you know, when we preach in front of black people, black people say amen before you even start preaching. I'm serious. You go to a black church and you, before, when you come over and say, all right now, preacher, you ain't even said nothing yet. And God, in his twisted sense of humor, uh, places me in front of groups where I oftentimes, I'm preaching, my guts are literally on the stage, and, and, and I'm, mm. That'll be as far as it goes. That'll be the highest hallelujah that, I, that'll happen is, mm. Right? And I normally can't even hear that. All right? So, what is the, the enemy will tell me, you are not reaching the people. The people hate you. You are the worst preacher that has ever existed. What you're saying is not connecting with anybody in the whole wide world. He will exaggerate things to the point that he tried to almost disqualify me from even preaching at one point. I was brought on the stage for Willow Creek to, to do several leadership summits. As a matter of fact, I just did a message for this current leadership uh, summit. Um, and when I went to the Leadership Summit uh, and, and was beginning to speak, I was on the stage with all these amazingly brilliant people, Harvard business people, great communicators from around the world. I mean, amazing business owners, and then Harvey Carey, right? And so I'm sitting there in the green room with all these people, you know, sitting with their legs crossed and their, you know, and their books, and I've got 25 books. How many books have you written? I'm like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> and, and, I'm, and I'm thinking, okay, God, I've got to change my message. I've got to change my delivery because you know I'm going to sweat and I'm going to spit and I can't do that on the global stage, so I'm going to become somebody else. And God said, who did they invite? I said, well, they invited Harvey Carey. So he said, so you're going to rob them of you by trying to be somebody that you're not, but they invited you. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't you rob us anymore of you because you're so insecure about how you've been made that you're trying to be like somebody else. Child of God, you have been wonderfully and fearfully made in the image of God. Be yourself. Hallelujah. So, Northridge knows to clear the first row because the spit will always hit this group first. Listen, you all, I'm making a light about it, but it's really pretty serious because some of us are disqualifying us from the blessings of God because of how we view ourselves. Many of us are disqualifying ourselves from opportunities because we see ourselves in a way that God does not see us. And that wrong perspective, that lack of a faith-filled instead of a fear-filled perspective, that fear-filled perspective is disqualifying you from things that God has planned for you. Well, Pastor, how, how does that look? What do you mean the way that I view myself is disqualifying me? I'm glad you asked. Look at verse 33. It says, we saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak, uh, they come from the Nephilim. Watch this now. It says, we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same 
to them. It says, we seemed like we were insignificant in our own opinion. And because of how we viewed ourselves, others began to view us in that same way. Could it be that for some of us, we have believed a narrative about ourselves that is unbiblical? We believe the narrative about ourselves that is not true. And that narrative of self-belief or doubt has created the way in which other people treat you. Indeed, if you believe a certain way, you become what you believe. Proverbs says that as a person thinks in their heart, that's who they are. Who do you think you are? How do you view yourself? How do you feel about you? Indeed, that view, that self-view will determine how others see you. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and they saw us the same way. For many people, we are experiencing the views of others and we're wondering, why does everyone treat me such a negative way? Have you ever looked at how you treat you? How you see you? Well, pastor, you've built the case that we have a choice to either choose to see life from God's perspective or to see it from fear's perspective. And we have the opportunity to make that decision. But pastor, I don't know how to do that. I know that you're saying that we need to choose a faith-filled perspective, but how do I choose a faith-filled perspective? I have no idea how to do that. I'm glad you asked. And the answer is found in the book of Philippians. If you would turn to it, Philippians chapter four, hallelujah. And as you're turning to Philippians, <coughs> I want to kind of share again one of the stories that I always share, but it's just one of my favorites because it's just the truth. Um, when I was growing up, my mother um, would often uh, be the one who would uh, give me wisdom that I had no idea would carry me for the rest of my days. But um, many of you heard this story, but I was a big Batman fan. This long before the dark night, this was like the old Batman with the da na 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 that one. And um, zonk, you know. All right, so back in the days, uh, and for those of you who don't know, back in the day on the television series, Batman and Robin, you know, Batman show, uh, every single ap episode, every single episode, Batman was going to die. It didn't matter what day it came on, Batman was gonna die every episode. And I went into the kitchen one day, she said, what is it, son? I said, Batman is about to die. They're going to kill him. The Joker is going to kill Batman. My mother calmly stood in the kitchen as she continued to stir the greens. And she said, baby, I'm going to prophesy. <laughs> Batman is not going to die. I said, Mama, how you know? How you know? You ain't even see. You're not even in the living room. You don't even know what's going on. You had no idea what they're about to. He is on a conveyor belt, and there is a saw, and his head is almost at the saw, and you're in here doing the greens, talking about he's not going to die. She said, what's the name of the show? I said, Batman. She said, so if he dies, what they going to call the show? I said, that's not comforting to me. She said, well, just do me a favor, baby. Just do me a favor. Just go back in the living room. And, and, I, and Mama, I, pro I promise you, Batman is going to get out of this. 
Reluctantly, I went back in the living room. I sat for another commercial, just anxious, my heart pounding out of my chest, tears rolling down my face because Batman is about to be sawed into while my mother's cooking greens, totally unconcerned about the welfare of humanity. And the TV show came back on. And lo and behold, he shimmied his arm out of the ropes that were holding him. And back in those days, long before the Dark Knight, they had, he had a utility belt. And inside of Batman's utility belt was the answer to every ill in society. So he had a spray <laughs> that was able to turn the blade into a disintegrated kind of material. And so he reached into his bat belt, into his utility belt, sprayed the little blade, the blade disintegrated, and Batman lived. From that day forward, every time Batman was about to die, I brought my friends over who were panicking. And I said, uh, they said, how could you be so relaxed, Harvey? How could you be so chill when Batman's about to die? I said, I know something y'all don't know. I know the end of the story, and the end of the story is that Batman will always win because of the tool that's in his belt. And I came today to give you a tool in your belt that every time the enemy shows his face at you and rears his doubt at you, you're able to reach into your utility belt and pull out Philippians chapter 4. This is your answer. Here it is. Philippians 4 verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. But Harvey, you don't know my thing. Does your thing fall in the category of anything? Now, if your thing ain't a anything, be anxious. If your thing is not in the category of anything, then you have a right to be anxious. But if your thing falls underneath the umbrella of anything, then be anxious about nothing. Why? Because God is in charge of your destiny and not the enemy. I have, I have a secret. Guess what? I read the end of your story. You win. You, you, you win. You win. I, 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 I'm sorry. I, 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 I read ahead, and I cheated a little bit. And even though you're on the conveyor belt, even though the shark, remember he had the shark on his leg? Batman had a shark on his leg and had a spray so that the shark would get off his leg. Some of y'all... Your situation seemed that crazy, but guess what? You win. So be anxious about nothing. Listen, he said, don't be anxious about anything. However, in every situation, by prayer, first of all, how many times are you praying about it? Stop talking to your friends who don't know the answer either. Girl, what you think? She don't know nothing. She's just as bad off as you are. You better talk to somebody greater than your girlfriend. You better talk to God who has the power of heaven and earth in his hand. All right, in the one minute and 58 seconds I got left. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, bring your request before God. Look what he says. And the peace of God 
which goes beyond what makes sense will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. He says, when you have a faith-filled perspective, God will allow peace to visit you. That means while everybody else is going crazy about situations, you're able to have peace in the midst of the storm. Is there anybody here that believes that God can give you peace in the midst, in the midst of the storm? You may, not, you may not have a job, but you got peace. You may not have a relationship, but you got peace. You may be sick in your body, but you got peace. You may be broke, but you got peace. As long as I got King Jesus, I don't need anybody else. Oh, let me share the last part. I'm taking my seat. He says, finally, my brothers and sisters, Finally, that means I'm about to finish preaching. <laughs> whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if it's excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. He says, if you want to have a faith Feel perspective. Stop looking at what you can't do. Stop looking what ain't right. And start looking at what God can do. And start looking what is right. The choice is yours. God is not going to make you do it. And you know what's so funny? I'm going to pray. Some of us, after hearing this message, some of you all are still dug in. You know what? I heard it, but I'm not going to believe anyway. It's your choice. But with that choice means you will not have peace. With that choice, the promise of God cannot be actualized because God will not allow them to be actualized outside of the vehicle of faith. So the choice is up to us. But Deuteronomy ends with this amazing admonition. He says, I've placed before you life and death, blessing and cursing, but then he says, choose life. It's your choice. And so Northridge, my prayer that when you leave this sanctuary today and you are faced with decisions and circumstances and situations, and you can either doubt, you can either have anxiety, you can have fear, you can start making situations into bigger and bigger and bigger mountains, or you can choose to have faith. You can choose to have peace. You can choose to know that, you know what? I belong to God, and the end of my story is that I win. And that decision to have that faith-filled perspective will change the trajectory of your life. I'm standing on this stage because a little broke boy from the south side of Chicago believed that through God all things are possible. And because of that faith in him, I've seen God do exceeding and abundantly above anything I could have imagined. And God does not love me more than he loves you. And my prayer is that each and every one of us would decide today to choose life. Every head bowed, every eye closed. God, we thank you so much for the amazing choice that you've given to us. That you've not made us robots that we just respond and we do what you say because you said it and we don't have a choice. But You've given to us free will, and with that will, God, we can choose life or choose death. 
We can choose faith or we can choose fear. We can choose doubt or belief. And God, my prayer today, our prayer, is that we would be people of faith. That, would be, that we would be believers. That means that we believe, we don't doubt. So God, we don't decrease the complexities of our world, the complexities of our families, the complexities of our lives. We don't reduce it. But we also don't reduce you because you're greater than any of those challenges. And so God, would you help your people, help us all to have a faith-filled perspective. Then God, there are people that are here today that don't have a relationship with you. Thank you for, so, for a safe place for them to come, that they don't have to feel pushed into a decision. But God, we pray that if they decide today that you know what, I wanna know more about God, I wanna get closer to him, that God, you would give them the opportunity even today to say, I want to know Jesus. So God, we thank you so much for them and the decision that they might make right now to say, Jesus, I trust you. I need you to be the Lord of my life. Or I don't know how to do that. Could somebody come alongside of me so that I can make that decision? Whatever that place is that they're on, God, would you be on the journey with them? We give you glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we give the Lord praise? Hallelujah. Can we give the Lord praise? Anybody feel a little bit better than you felt when you walked in? God is so worthy. Hey, listen, you all, we want to let those of you who made decisions today know that we want you to reach out, if you, if you would, by text. Uh, you can text 313131. Text to 313131. Text the word Northridge and let us know that you've made a decision or how we can come along and follow alongside of you. Others of you, just feel free to take this uh, out of your bulletin, tear it off, fill it out, drop it off in any of those boxes outside of the doors. We want to follow up with you. God bless you. Have a great baptism, a great picnic. Have a faith-filled perspective, Northridge. Love you.